0: welcome back to the quiet on set podcast i'm young ruff and i'm joined by lachlan tealy
1: on episode 174 i have already done this intro because my hard drive corrupted and i will let you know when we are doing everything for the first time dune 2 uh embargo dropped so ah, yay and what else did i say (laughs) movies Um, are made with a lot of money
0: exactly and We're going to talk about Borderlands, which basically ties into, I guess, reshooting stuff for a movie, which is what we're doing for this podcast, having to do right now. Reshoots, baby. I watched the Kung Fu Panda trilogy, a new film with Anthony Hopkins, and Lucklin and I both uh, binge-watched the new live-action Netflix show, Avatar The Lost Airbender.
1: Finally, The Zone of Interest has released, and I've been wanting to rewatch it for months now. Uh, We originally watched it in... Khan, and now we get the opportunity to rewatch it. Does it hold up? That's the real question. We've already reviewed it months ago, and we're going to do it again with a fresh coat of paint for the. Th- Actually, we know we never got up to the review in the original recording. So, <laughs> yeah. our original thoughts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Let's queue up the intro and get uh, into the show. We are Seriously. professionals.
1: This is, a, this is a professional podcast. Yeah,
0: Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Hello there. <laughs> Which actually did you get is me a hat a bit...
1: as well? Um, yes. So I've got Dune Cam. <laughs> it's just a camera with my Dune steelbook.
0: So we talked about all of this before. Um, so I feel like the yep. news, if it, if it feels a bit abbreviated, it's just because we don't want to have the same conversation twice. But um, there's two trailers that we're going to talk about. They both start with a B. First up, we got Borderlands by Eli Roth. Been done for three years, had reshoots, another director coming in and i'm familiar with uh the games for for once i've played like one of them for maybe like 15 hours Luckland, you're closer to the games so you liked them quite a bit comes out on august 9th uh do you think this is gonna work or uh yeah so something off about it
1: i'm concerned there is a lot off about it i don't like the people who are in there i don't like Kate blanchett playing lilith i just feel everything so something doesn't feel right about the film just mm-hmm. in the way that it has been constructed the way how it's taken so long to come out i feel like it's just going to be one of those disaster movies and it makes me think how does a movie like batgirl get cancelled how does yeah. a movie like uh what was the coyote one uh roadrunner parody was it yeah the acme yep uh and what was the other one that we talked about scoop oh god it's gonna to come to my head scoop how do those movies it, complete completed and then done and then they get scrapped and then a movie like this comes out so there has to be something it can't just it can't be bad but doesn't mean it's gonna be good so yeah, yeah, orderly, yeah i feel we'll like what
0: counterpoint always is Madam webb has been released <laughs> so yeah oh morbius so i don't know uh there was also another trailer for boy kills world this one's out on april 26 and uh lachlan you described that in, in the previous scrapped recording uh, that it gives you a bit of Scott Pilgrim vibes. Uh, it, it stars yeah. uh, Bill Skarsgård as someone deaf and mute on a revenge trail and uh, Yeah, you were keen for this or, or not? Yeah, in well, the original
1: I, recording I, I did say that no one kill me that I'm comparing it to Scott Pilgrim because it, it it's not like it is The same level as Scott Pilgrim, but I was getting those those vibes from it not an actual like yeah this is like Scott Pilgrim so Got to preface that.
0: Maybe uh, Michael I'm Sarah kidding. disconnected your hard, hard drive because he wasn't happy about you saying that. So you got to watch out. <sighs>
1: but I use his moisturizer, which is even more annoying.
0: <laughs> yeah, <that> was <laughs> funny ad. That was a pretty funny ad. Uh,
1: but no, I'm 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 in the same mood because of my hard drive crashing. I would love to kill the yeah. world right now because, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was. What, 25 minutes of recording that we were like in the right vibe for, and then all of a sudden my, my computer's like flashing on both of my monitors, like mm-hmm. disconnected hard drive, and, and like cannot like read. And I'm like,
0: oh, so yep. You know, Lachlan, what, what about 30 minutes of, of waiting and wasting time? How about 11 months that we have to oh. wait for the next oh. film from Ban Chung Ho that it's had a, a great release date? said pretty early, got delayed indefinitely. Now it's coming out on January 21st of 2025, because apparently some, or two execs that were quoted in a Variety article, uh, said that they seem to be less pumped about uh, the $150 million sci-fi thriller uh, starring Robert Pattinson from the Oscar-winning Bong Joon-ho of Parasite um so yeah we're mad at Warner Brothers we were already mad in the last recording we're still mad mad at at Warner Warner Brothers Brothers we might even be a bit more mad at Warner Brothers right now than we were before which is I feel like justified and and yeah they suck (laughs) they're annoying well we're not going
1: to be as mad as Warner Brothers at Christopher Nolan making one of the most successful movies of last year with Universal Universal. but I mean we are pretty mad at at, at Mm. Warner Brothers
0: which uh, there was a report by uh, Variety that went over some of the budgets that they recently had. Joker 2 is reportedly costing around 200 million, where about 20 million goes to in Phoenix, also a hefty sum. A bit less than that is going to Lady Gaga. Probably Todd Phillips is getting a fair share, but it seems to be just uh, one that is, I think the first one was done for like 70 million or 90 million, if I'm not mistaken, which is already like. Yeah, it was low. Still, yeah, it's, it's still a ton of money though, but I get where in the, the money is of going. This- but like comparatively, it's a musical. That's also another big swing that they're probably not like advertised for. At least that's kind of been the case in the last two years when it comes to musicals. And you got like Wonka, which just just crossed six hundred million, but you also got the color purple that flopped. You got in the heights, that was still in the time of also by Warner Brothers, uh, the day and date releases. They also have a PTA film, Paul Thomas Anderson, that's budgeted around 115 million. Again, Mickey 17, Bong joon Ho gets 150. It seems to be they're spending a ton, and it's like, the, why are you then like cutting back on those less than $100 million? Why are you writing them off and taking the tax write offs that you can get? It seems to be they are kind of slimming down to present, or like bulking up, I guess, in a sense. I don't know, whatever. Whatever you prefer, the analogy to go. Uh, to a date in April when um they are back open for the market to sell merch or, I guess, buy. Because they've had the merger between Discovery and them, which put them into a window where they weren't able to do any of that for a while. And now they're kind of back on the market on the execs uh, swiping left and right on what seems to be their next movie slate. Is this one getting dumped? Yes, it's going on to streaming and we're going to write it off. Uh, I'm still mad at Warner Brothers. <laughs> Can't contain it. But yeah, that's basically what's happening. A lot of stuff. It's it's a very good article. I'll link it below as well by Variety. Basically goes over all the stuff that you gotta know about Warner Brothers right now. And there's not really anything positive. Yeah, they're even like trying to get in as many people and attach, uh, like get them attached to the company so they look the best and presentable, uh, even if they're not actually like doing that well, uh, at least from how they budget their movies and how much they profit from the box office. Apart from, I guess, uh, some successes like Barbie, which is basically, you know, making it seem like they're doing okay when everything else is kind of in the gutter. Uh, Speaking of Warner Bros., uh, Dune 2 is uh, out, e- not, not out yet, but the embargo's out, and they seem to be universally positive, uh, basically praising it as one of the best sci-fi films ever. And yeah, we're gonna talk about it next week. I'm incredibly keen to dive into it. Uh, neither of us have seen it yet, but uh, we already plan to see it, I think twice, uh, once in, our just like, as soon as possible, uh, on whatever screen, and our second screening, Lachlan, uh, is gonna be hopefully on an IMAX, right? Hope
1: so, fingers crossed. If I can fly over east and get a, a screening for it, I will. I'm currently reading through the uh, Metacritic reviews and I can say I'm pretty excited.
0: Yeah, I also uh, bought the, the audiobook this week and it's 21 hours long, I think, in total. Uh, I'm trying wow. to maybe make that fit in somewhere because I've heard that like there's a lot of stuff uh, that is like quickly addressed and a lot of the stuff from the book... It's like you can't do all of it but there seems to be like hints to stuff everywhere uh, apparently. Uh so I don't know if I want to freshen up on uh on I guess the lore and the story of Dune in uh, in novel form but uh we'll see if I have the time. A couple of other news items. First up we got a release date for the fourth season of The Boys that comes out on Amazon Prime on June 13th. Uh Sam Mendes is directing four different Beetle movies about all of the uh, I guess different members of the band and and i think that's like set to uh, i I don't know how far along this project is but it seems to be like groundbreaking in a way because it's from different perspectives uh about all of these four different people i'm sick of uh filmmakers taking the time to do musical biopics even if they really like uh the artists because they still somehow feel incredibly repetitive and redundant like i feel like why
1: you hate joker too
0: i yeah it's, uh, why do i hate it because it's an
1: author making a musical about a an artist the joke yeah there. never mind he, no, uh, no joke in the original recording was a marvel cinematic universe but the beatles cinematic universe much yeah. funnier but different timelines so here we are <laughs> kang
0: deleted it <laughs> kang de- it, it died along with Jesus. jonathan meachers no, 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 in
1: kang got deleted
0: Oh my god. Uh Gareth Edwards is uh basically I think did they, I think they got him. Uh, I I wrote down he, he's eyed to direct the next Jurassic World, but I feel like they they got him locked down, but who knows? Who knows with how quickly uh directors uh jump from project to project or are disconnected, but Gareth Edwards had uh, the creator last year that was promising. He's also familiar with the studio system, with uh, what he made uh, with uh, Star Wars, uh, Rogue One. Uh, at least parts of that. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm keen. I feel, I feel like he's an exciting filmmaker, uh, hopefully with enough say to make his own story. Although, again, Jurassic World, that's, that's Warner Brothers again, right? Speaking of Warner Brothers still, there's just a ton of Warner Brothers stuff. Uh, concept art for uh, a Batman Beyond animated film uh, was pitched uh, about five months ago, but then turned down and the creator has now gone to uh, social media to post uh, the, the images that he created. The concept art for it, it looks stunning. And uh, yeah, I feel like it's a bit of a social media push of maybe putting some pressure on the execs to maybe uh get enough interest to green light it similar to what ryan reynolds did with uh the deadpool trailer that they released uh the concept um concept trailer i guess for that uh Lachlan, we both agree right this looks stunning would be sick if it gets made
1: looks gorgeous yeah shame it's not at least not right now until they Deadpool.
0: it yeah at least yeah at least not now uh, they had the initial plan with michael keaton um, to maybe do a live-action Batman Beyond film, but then the Flash tanked, uh, so they, yeah, bombed, so, uh, yeah, they they kind of scrapped that. Uh, I'm making my way through or starting with the Batman animated series at the moment. I watched a couple last night, and I'm intrigued, and Batman Beyond, I think it's all in the same universe. They got, like, three different series that take place in that, and there's also, like, a, uh, I think a Justice League series, a Superman series, and, so far they've been really good and i always hear the praise of batman beyond uh but but i haven't seen it yet i haven't read anything of yet but uh i I might get into it because it seems to be pretty fun and then lastly uh sony is uh taking up uh disney's physical media production uh because uh disney is uh getting out of that business and uh yeah sony is taking it up it just kind of remains to be seen if sony is gonna push for like a lot of like 4k restorations and and goods like good stuff for physical media or if they're just gonna sell the disney stuff because i guess the disney stuff kind of sells well and disney hasn't had like a huge focus on physical media for for a bit after they've really gone all in with uh like disney plus as a, a physical media uh a bit of a physical media collector lachlan uh,
1: a bit <laughs> How dare you? You didn't say this in the original recording. Yeah. Why don't you splice in what we talked about in the original recording?
0: Um, I forget what we talked about. Did we even talk about this? I me feel two. like you just mentioned it. No, uh, but
1: you didn't call me a uh, sort of physical media collector. Let me go get my 4Ks. And you get your 4Ks and we'll see who's got more.
0: I don't think I have a single 4K.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: I wasn't saying I am a physical media collector. I got a ton of DVDs that I have from yard sales that I get just because I feel like, hey, it's fun to, to, to have them. But I would never watch it on that media because it looks shit. But I got nothing. You got me there. But hey, uh, leave a rating on Spotify, uh, on Apple Podcasts, and if you wanna support us indirectly, and hopefully, uh, Lachlan can get some new cables for his hard drives, um, then if you if you plan to see a film. <laughs> Uh, we will be in the future and retroactively on some of the episodes that have already come out on some of our reviews if you check the description we'll have a link that uh, links you to some of the films that we that we mentioned that are out on streaming uh, so you can uh, go through that rent the film buy the film if you plan to see it on Amazon and uh, can kind of support us uh indirectly with uh amazon the the affiliate prog program uh it doesn't cost you uh anything other than i guess renting the film if you want to see something anyways we really appreciate it gives us a bit of a kickback and yeah makes it affordable for Luckland to get <laughs> more of the 4ks because that's clearly the priority not the the thousands of bucks that we spent to to attend uh french film festivals but i feel like Luckland's still out there getting his 4ks it's like an archaeologist <laughs> digging up through the dust all of the the ton of 4Ks that he has. Yeah. <laughs> hey, enough said. I feel like he's a serious collector. He's got Morpheus. <laughs> well, that's it for the news. Uh, Luckland discussion time this week. We'll we'll keep it brief. Uh, cause uh, yeah, this is this is this is where we died last year. Uh, last year Just at the end last of the conversation
1: recording. we still got to get through the whole conversation first
0: yes um why are we still making world war ii films and series why is this a time period that again and again is revisited much like in the film that we're going to talk about today maybe in a different form than it ever has been before but it's still a familiar time period why do we keep going back to it Lucklan?
1: You, you you go first i got to get mine prepared
0: all right he's he's writing out his soliloquy um i think it is in the case of the zone of interest kind of telling still to the modern day uh some of the parallels of evil and its closeness i feel like that's w- what that story in the zone of interest does but universally uh the easy target of an antagonist that we can all root against that is established that doesn't need to be introduced uh every time or needs like a motivation because it's just the personification of evil is really compelling uh in a thematic sense because it's basically the struggle that uh our heroes can go on and on you brought this up in the last recording i don't know if i'm taking up any of your points here but you said that uh, we as humans are just kind of so locked in on sadness and despair. We, we love to see it on the big screen and get emotionally invested. And it's... it's, it's, it's I mean, you didn't say this, but I think it's kind of odd. Why do we go for that? And there's a ton of that in these World War settings. But World War II was such a shift for uh, us humans and, and the way that we kill each other. When you look at the thousands of years before when it was one-on-one, you could look in your enemy's eyes or maybe not with the trench wars. There's still, you know, you're shooting uh, and you don't really know what you're hitting. But it just takes on a whole different dimension with World War II. And then there's just a lot of, a lot of humanity that we speedrun of all of the trauma that we can endure and go through. I feel like there's always story to tell uh, about this time period and i feel like historically it is very important to keep reliving and reminding us about these stories and about the people that persisted the people that perished and the people in control and and why stuff like that ended up happening like basically the the echoes of time um which are not uh happy songs that we see echo but it's usually just this, this, uh, screaming and death and bombs going off and all of that depressing shit so yeah i, I feel like we're gonna keep making it because it never feels outdated even like 70 80 years later it still feels like it is just as relevant as it was uh back then to to keep talking about uh world war one and two mainly two i guess at this point but yeah like what did what do you have prepared
1: all right let's see if this works Ta-da! I mean, oh my god here i am Dunkirk. dunkirk Budget 100 million. Gross 530 million. Uh huh. Oppenheimer. Budget 100 million. Gross 957 million worldwide. Ewan, give me a World War II movie. 1917. Great one, Ewan. Great one. Good one. Good one. Shinder's List. I'll do that next. How's that? 1917. Made off of a 95 million. Grossed 384
0: million. I can tell you hands off. Uh, Shinder's List made 337 million. Oh, 322 no. off, I was off of I
1: was a off. $22 million budget. The reason we keep making World War II movies is that they are profitable because people want to see them. Because each of those movies that I just showed you, Schindler's List, 1917, uh fuck it. Let's do a good one. In Glorious Inglorious Bastards. How's that? There's a good fun one for your World War II movie. What was this done? How how much how much did this movie make? 321 million off of a 70 million dollar budget. People wanna see these movies. They are entertaining as all hell. They give you some really heroic stories. People know who the bad guys are. You don't even have to introduce the bad guys because they're always what are they, Ewan?
0: Nazis.
1: Nazis. And that's the thing. They are just uh they are just easy. I wouldn't say they're easy movies to make, but you don't have to define who the bad guy is. You know who you're rooting for. Even in a film like The Zone of Interest where the perspective is shifted, right? Mm. You still have a narrative where you have a human side that you connect to. Even if the people you are viewing the film through are the typical bad people in a World War II movie because they are Germans. But we'll get to that later. These movies are profitable. You know who the bad guys are without doing too much work. And most importantly, it's a story that people want to watch because they want to learn from our mistakes we don't want to go through another world war we can see the atrocities that are committed on the screen we don't have to we can't forget about them in that way and that's the most important part
0: that's why i feel like the zone of interest not taking anything away yet from uh actual review but that's why i feel like the zone of interest is so interesting because it's less easily identifiable who we are rooting for. Obviously, you know who you're rooting for, but there's no one really to root for because you, you're taking the side. You're only seeing the people who are doing the evil stuff uh, and also yeah, living exactly. their lives, but doing the evil stuff. And that kind of is such a, an interesting take on evil. how close, yeah, how close you are to all of those atrocities and it's just your proximity to it. Uh, inherently also evil. Uh, uh, like, that's such an interesting question to ask that we don't really typically have to ask in World War II films because we are rooting for one side to basically accomplish something, to save someone, to, uh, yeah, I don't know, for, for something good to happen and all of the bad. And the zone of interest is so different. That's why it's, like, so interesting to me. But before we get into that review, Lachlan, I think that's it for discussion time. Let us know what you think of World War II films. Uh, you brought up, hey, they make money. Uh, and there's also maybe something yeah uh, with humanity on on why we uh get to revisit it but maybe on in in a lighter way in like hey these two two and a half hour we are in this war we might cry because it's so sad and then we move on with our lives something about that like that cycle that uh yeah we as as humans as a culture as society uh kind of tend to gravitate towards but that's a for discussion time lachlan, let's have a look at what we've been watching this week this
1: is as far as we got in the first recording yay yes. oh, we made this is it all we made brand it. new content never performed or rehearsed before
0: wait lachlan i think you missed the line there uh you were meant to praise me that uh, i'm doing great that's your line for the podcast.
1: All oh, right. Sorry, hang on. Um...
0: Wait, it says show the Morbius 4 k again. Well, I didn't write that. <laughs> Thanks. All right. We're back on track. We we also finished True Detective in iCountry. We watched Avatar. We'll get into that in a second. I feel like we can talk about the stuff that we both individually watched first, but we did watch both of that. If you're also interested in maybe some of our spoiler thoughts, we won't get into that here. Because we do need a bit of time for the zone of interest. There will be separate reviews for that on the channel for those two uh, shows, though. But luckily, you watched Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which uh is your favorite movie of all time. Uh, it's it's certainly close to yeah. up there, right? Yeah,
1: it's one of them because I it, it it cycles, but definitely is still mm-hmm. great. I mean, did you see how how many stars I gave it?
0: I didn't, but I assume five. <laughs>
1: 5 stars yeah, yeah it's a great film <laughs> uh at least I've, yeah. I've logged it on 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 letterbox at least 3 times since getting letterbox and i've and i've definitely yep. watched it more times since then like i watched it 3 times when it came out in cinemas uh mm. minimum uh, i i i've seen this movie a ton of times every time i watch it i love it uh yeah it's a fantastic film uh we're watching mm. it for the villanue uh bracket that we're going to be doing and i had to watch it not because I had to just rewatch it, but just because it would be sacrilegious of me to do a Villeneuve bracket and not rewatch the one that I love the most that I'll be rooting for, but will I? Ooh.
0: I don't know. Ooh. Keep up the mystery. You'll have to Ooh. check out the video. Uh,
1: but other than that, it's all TV shows. And yep. here's a question I'd like to ask uh, the general audience if someone could respond to me Neon Genesis. Is it worth watching?
0: Good question. I think I've, I've seen, like, three episodes of it. I haven't gotten further into it. But I uh, my opinion is I want to get to it. So I feel like it's worth watching. But uh, he asked the general in the audience. So if we got any um, military people there, hopefully you you're not the lowest rank so you can respond to lachlan but hey we got a diverse set of listeners so one of you is bound to be a general i watched Comfort panda one two three <laughs> such a dumb, dumb joke uh i watched confu panda uh one two and three i've only seen the first one so i'm getting ready for the fourth one i used to hate these when i was a kid because i was a sophisticated kid uh, I was only eating caviar, olives, and I don't know. I don't have an analogy to something made up. Or like, I can't make something up. But no, I, I didn't like animation as much when it wasn't Disney or Pixar for some reason. But this this first Kung Fu Panda film is is kind of fun. The second one is still kind of decent. The third one loses me a bit. But they're all like... 're fine they, they, none of them are actually like horrible they're not on the level of illumination. A pretty uh fun franchise and uh, yeah I'll, I'm ready for the fourth one now. Uh, then I had a, a double whammy uh, I'm not going to choose this as, as a double feature pick, but I did rewatch the zone of interest last night, and then immediately afterwards saw one live with Anthony Hopkins also about World War II, and it got me so sad it drained me so much that i afterwards had to like just sit on a couch watch watch a bit of at batman the, uh animated series and just pass out and fall asleep L- a lot of the critics uh or like the critical response for this film has been people have seen it in a the theater everyone's crying <laughs> and they're like okay cool <laughs> that's all you had to say and they're giving it like i think luckily you saw it as well you gave it like a two and a half out of five uh people are giving it like a three on average um anthony hopkins is great in it as he always is and uh the storytelling maybe is a bit lackluster maybe it was because i just watched the zone of interest so i was giving this film a bit more leeway when it didn't have much to offer as a film itself and some of the storytelling that it does in Prague, this is about a, a real person who existed there's also a clip of of is something infamous that happens in this in this scene that is that is online that saved like hundreds of, of children from prague right before the war break uh, broke loose I, I was just for the last 20 minutes i was just bawling my eyes out <laughs> and i i couldn't stop like i was i was doing like the thing of of whimpering not just like silent here but i was like ah uh it, it, it really i found it really powerful but maybe that's just me who, who loves to cry at sad shit. But I, I found this kind of decent. I gave it like a seven out of ten, and I, I feel like it's not like the worst double feature with the Zone of Interest, although it's not the one I'm gonna go with. Yeah, that's what I watched. I also watched uh, Jennifer Lopez had a new album coming out, and I I'm never gonna listen to that. She had like some kind of weird film project that was tied to it, uh, which had the same title as the album. I think this is me. Dot 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 now. <laughs> I I hated it. It was so self indulgent. It was so <sighs> narcissistic. Um, I just I, I I hated it quite a bit. Uh, but that's out on on Prime Video. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the stuff I watched. Neither of us have both seen. And uh, oh, I guess you've seen one live as well. But really, don't watch the Jennifer Lopez one.
1: Cool. I re- unremove uh, it from my watch list.
0: <laughs> yeah, you totally had it on there. Already listened to the new album front to back like five times. I know you, Luckland. When J-Lo is out there, you you get... Whew, he goes crazy. Crazy. Avatar, The Last Airbender. We've seen M. Night's movie. We've seen the original three seasons of the show. And we've also both seen uh, the sequel series, Korra. How does this one stack up to, I guess, the other live action version that we've gotten? That's a low bar to clear, but maybe to the series as a whole?
1: If down here is the live action and up here is the original animated tv show i would say it lies in the middle between Mm. the two i think that the the show does start off a bit closer towards the live action movie and then slowly redeems itself over time yeah uh keep in mind what season one's got like 20 episodes in it and they've got to condense that down into eight episodes which are like 50 minutes long though they are longer but you still have a lot of story to get through. Remember, with animation, you don't need that much to really get engaged with it. Yeah. Don't know why, but that's just the world of animation. It's just a different ballpark compared to live action. With live yeah. action, there is a set of rules and guidelines that we must ha- must have, and the first one you've got to get over is the unnatural
0: delivery r- movement
1: of bending mm. elements. And I must say, at first, it's a bit stiff, but they end up figuring it out as they go along. I feel like it got better as it went along.
0: I I feel like the the fights were always a highlight for me. I think they kind of did that decently from what I expected them to do in live action. That's, it's always stunning in the the animation. It's uh, incredible what they do with that. So, Uh, I have a problem. Yeah. The
1: the the fights, I What's think the problem from fights? a from a chore- choreography level, they are really good. They are staged really well, blocked really well. I think the introduce uh, introduction of the elements in those fights are quite creative and fun. But I hate, and and this is with a this is everything capitalized. I hate how much slow motion was used. It was like they got Zack Snyder's fucking cinematographer and was like, alright, slow-mo time, baby. Uh, Unnecessary use, or at least unnecessary amount of use of slow-mo. There are moments that do work, but the moments that don't make those other moments that do work lesser. And that's annoying. Save those slow-mo moments for a particular moment. You don't need it in every single fight scene. And it just slows yeah. down the action too much and it doesn't make it feel like it's an actual fight. It feels like it's a dance and yes, the the bending in the anime is almost like a dance between the two benders, but in the live action it's meant to be a fight and that's the issue I have with the fight scenes. That is all. I'll move on now.
0: The other bigger issue it has to overcome, which is a hey, I'm back to my roots, I'm hating on kid performances. It uh it doesn't work at all. Uh Especially, I mean, the, the actor was like 13, 14 when he filmed this. It is horrible because they also rely on, for some reason, the show wants to be less quirky. It wants to have more serious moments because, like you said, in live action, there's just something different. We need to see characters cry constantly. And they don't really go there as much in the cartoon. There's there's moments uh, like of profound sadness in there. But it's not just like always a single tier, and pretty much every character gets that at one point in in this first season. And it's just like mm. you notice it at one point that some people are just like, oh, I can see their emotions, and others are just like they're doing weird stuff with their eyes. They're like twitching, and they're like they're, they're like ADHD acting. Um, <laughs> they're like TikTok acting, and it's like oh my god, this is really bad, and it's incredibly distracting. And it's for a, a couple different people where it doesn't work. Uh, for me, it took a while as well to get into uh, the actor who does Zuko. Because I thought he was off it for the first four episodes. Then he gets one of the best episodes. I think episode five or six is more dedicated to him. That was, to me, the best episode of, of this first season. Yeah, I, ho- I hope they continue and continue to do it well. I I, I like most of the stuff that they set up. But I mean, they they skipped uh pretty much like seven episodes in like uh I think they jumped from episode nine to like sixteen or or seventeen. I, I checked in because I I was kind of comparing uh what which storylines they do, and uh, they combine some as well. They condense it down. I feel like the the ending uh on the water in in, in at the North Temple is always gonna be different. The way that they're gonna approach Zao is is each time they adapt it, it's just completely different. But but yeah, overall I think this is worthwhile. I don't I, I don't think it's like as, as horrible as Death Note when they did that, or uh <laughs> from what I've heard, I haven't seen it. The Cowboy Bebop adaptation. I don't think it's as successful as One Piece, because I haven't seen One Piece, but that seemed to nail something right for live action. I don't know if you're not a fan already. I'm really curious to hear from someone who hasn't seen the cartoon if this is gonna work for them uh, like does it stand on its own two legs or are they not gonna be patient enough to go through the first couple of pretty rough episodes uh because when we talked about like covering this uh in separate review and on and on the show i was pretty sure that lucklin would say no i got through two episodes i quit it wasn't good because he said if it's bad you're gonna not gonna watch it and he ended up sticking through all of all of the season so there was something for for fans of it Obviously, to, to stick around to to see where it goes. But...
1: So, it's all right. Hang on, where are my notes? Where are my notes? This is exactly what it was. You can kind of tell how engrossed I get with something when I take less and less notes. And for the first episode, I have a bunch of notes. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes down to nothing. Mm. Um, But one thing that I said in episode one is... I'm having secondhand emotion. Yeah, and you might be thinking, "What is secondhand mm-hmm. emotion, Lachlan?" Secondhand emotion is a term that I have used today to describe the emotion that I felt when watching the live action TV show, but remembering the original. You are mm-hmm. correct. They do skip a lot of the filler esque episodes, and they do skip things like the like, the Winter Solstice stuff, and they kind of... Div- like, they get rid of, like, the Great Divide storyline. Um yeah. But they combine quite a bit in, like, episode four, five, and six, and then dedicate episode seven and eight to sort of the last two episodes of, the, like, the Siege of the North. Yeah. The thing is, combining those does weaken the overall character development you get in those smaller episodes, which is why I said... It's hard for them to condense because, yes, you don't have the Great Divide storyline in it, but the Great Divide has a really cool story, uh, and really cool conflict. And uh, in my opinion, I think is also a really important storyline between Aang Aang and Katara. Yeah.
0: yeah, And Aang as well. Yeah. Big moment.
1: Um, he definitely starts to like, you know, he doesn't, it's a big test for him, right? And. There are moments like that that are cut out and there are moments that are in the live action that are shortened down. And the reason I stuck around was that I was just remembering all of these really good moments that are in the original show that I absolutely love and adore and makes me want to go back and rewatch it. But the thing is, there was some really, really cool stuff done in the live action. And I think that there are elements that are done really... I think the Kiyoshi Warriors looked spectacular and i think that their oh, yeah. fight choreography was spectacular and mm-hmm. i also think that the 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 visual appearance of some of these characters will get better over time i wish mm-hmm. that there was more money thrown at it i wish there was more money for the cgi to look better because i must admit at times i'm a bit iffy about the actual bending of elements and the look of them i feel like it just it just feels too cgi but the big sin right. that I can't get over and I'm, right now I'm sitting Momo? hard on the you should watch this, you should not watch this fence, right? Yeah. Uh, fuck Momo, he looked terrible. He's, uh, he's, and was, yeah. getting
0: he's getting um, pierced by a really, really spiky fence.
1: The amount of complete, like, like, completely CGI shots with actors in them there's there's the shot where in, i think it's in the first episode where An goes into the avatar state and he is com- he he looks completely cg and it just took me yeah. out of it and i was like nah fuck this i don't want to watch it in the last couple episodes especially the last one and i'm not and it's not really a spoiler what happens in the last uh episode of like season one where he goes into the avast- avatar state gets the ocean spirit in him but there is a complete shot from and i, and I get it you're gonna have to do that shot in cg but there's humans that move in weird ways and you can feel that weird movement and you can see that throughout the series of how they've just, instead of getting an actual shot of an actor they've completely digitised that performance into yeah. the sh- into the shot instead and that was one part that made me feel okay, they're doing a live action but they are going to do as much CGI as they possibly can without using some yeah. of these actors. And maybe it's because they are they, they, like they are legitimately kids, and I get that, but there are also shots in there that didn't involve children that could have been done more practically. And that's the part that annoys me, as someone who really enjoys practical effects being done, incorporating CGI to look better. And I get it, the world is not going to look like... You can't really get that photorealistic look, but you can definitely do better at making it more live action. Uh,
0: it also feels like, you know, the, the vastness of space, it, it always feels like they're in a really small set. In whatever scene's they're in, scene, it's always pretty contained. Um, it, it, it I feel like it, it fails, uh, apart from the establishing shots to then further in the scenes, feel like they're also still in that place. Omashu is like a place that is obviously like very iconic and in the 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 wider shots when it's introduced, I feel like it works quite well. But when ha- it has them interact with like sh- the larger thing of it all, there's like one scene towards the end of of that Omasha episode where it's just like it, it it took me out of it as well when they're like riding in the carts. I was like, oh my god, this oh it's so cti uh, Because but, but there's but, also
1: yeah. so many of those throwbacks to the original show where. There yeah. really isn't any setup of, of Aang and Boomy having rides in those earth carts throughout the city. Yeah, It just pops up at the end. And it's the same with, like, yeah. the cabbages guy. I thought at the start, like, him not saying yeah. my cabbages was quite funny, and then eventually he says, oh, my cabbages. I was like, all right, cool. That's a really funny callback. But then to have moments like that that just kind of come out of nowhere, it doesn't add humour. It just is a weird thing right at the end that pulls me out of it and it makes me feel like they're trying to just capitalize on the nostalgia factor which they are in a sense they are going to be capitalizing on that but yeah. i do feel like uh, those episodes that that do capitalize on nostalgia were also the weakest
0: as well oh the whole whole of 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 Saka's arc isn't really he he just gets the falling in love part he doesn't get really get the much of it, it's more about him feeling insignificant it's less that he also undergoes a, a similar arc to uh, the guy at the at the end in north when he's against the women bending and uh, defending them that's pretty much on the same path that like saka is on early in the show and they kind of cut that out like the show opens with him being like katara saying he's sexist in like the third line of the show and they completely cut around that that's not a part of it it's always about like him feeling inadequate and I feel like that would have been an interesting part for him to focus on because when I watched the trailers, I was like, "Ooh, this actor doesn't work. He's really bad. He had like a bad line reading in the trailer," and it got me concerned. Off the core three, I think the soccer actor is by far the best one. Uh, yeah, I hope I get more more with this character because he 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 kind of does decent enough with um, the timing of the jokes and like how he says it. it Maybe just in comparison on how off it is with Katara and Ang. I think that closes. I'm about to close our review because I feel like it should open with me hating on kits and it should end with me hating on kids. So it's a big old hating kits sandwich. But yeah, I I guess we'll have a, we'll have a separate review. I um up when maybe we talk even more specifically. But we'll see what we end up doing. But hey, should already be out by the time you're seeing this. And then True Detective Night Country. I've only seen the first season, which has gotten universal uh praise lachlan i think you've seen all three or i guess all four of them now right yeah where does it where does it stack up is it uh is it worthwhile it's it's a shorter season as well than the others is it up to the same quality that these other three were or that season one was i and, think that uh, the
1: quality is better than season well, okay actually no before i say that each season has its pros and cons I think that mm. the initial idea of True Detective, the the way that the story goes, season four is probably the most authentic to the idea of it. But it references too much to the first season for it to kind of be like, oh, it's doing its own thing. I felt like this was originally its own like mini series, and then had the True Detective side thrown onto it, uh, which kind of sucks. It's a bit like the, uh, I guess the. Oh, God, what? Oh, my God. Because we're doing two recordings, all of my things are going in my head. Cloverfield. It's like the Cloverfield thing. Cloverfield. They make a movie, yeah. they slap the Cloverfield name on top, right? Yeah. Kind of feels similar to the zone of interest. Uh, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> kind of feels similar to, to True Detective. Night Country. Uh, yeah. Night. And the fun part about this series is that It has this weird mystical side to it and I love that and I have to admit the first two episodes do a fantastic job of getting me hooked into that and the rest of the season is the exact same and nothing happens and that is the most boring part. Uh, It's unfortunate that it doesn't really do much for me. Uh, As I said, the first two episodes were, in my opinion, fantastic but Mm. I don't really want to recommend it to people who like the first season anymore. I kind of just want to be like yep, it's don't consider it True Detective, just consider it a separate thing uh, mm-hmm. I think that the the finale really dung goofed. I think that the the first two episodes were fantastic and then it was pretty much just a steady decline down, down and down mm-hmm. into that last Last episode, which just, yeah, I don't even, I'm I'm not, I'm not happy with it. Uh,
0: yeah, it it was really <laughs> underwhelming. And, like, I, I decided giving it the benefit of the doubt because, uh, like, some characters are a bit odd. Some, maybe even some line reading, some of the dialogue is, like, it feels a bit off. But it feels like, okay, maybe that's just, like, part of the the aesthetic that we're going for. Everything is, like, slightly yeah. off and everyone's kind of rude. But, yeah, it just kind of fails to build to something more when it's it stagnates and it's really disappointing because I agree I think the setup is pretty intriguing the setting is cool with the constantly everything being dark the the whole intrigue of of actually finding um out what happened kind of is is underwhelming which yeah if if you have strong enough characters then that works I wasn't really that uh involved with. The, the main two, I was more involved with, like, the the cop kid. I feel like his storyline was really fun. And I wish we had gotten even more of, of his part. But I also can't really recommend it um, for, for, for true Detective fans. Uh, but, hey, I've only seen the first season as well. That's all the stuff that we've been watching this week. So let's talk about Jonathan Glazer's The Zone of Interest.
1: The commandant of all Switch, Rudolf Hoss, and his wife, Hedwig, strive to build a dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the camp
0: how lovely uh, how wholesome this whole ordeal is.
1: that log line
0: a family so movie for the whole family uh yeah <laughs> jonathan glazer makes a movie about every every 10 years or so uh his last one being under the skin with scarlett johansson uh now he's back in a collaboration with twenty four. uh and a budget of $15 million, I assume a lot of that stuff went into the actual sets. Uh, it, it, that's really a highlight of the film, its production design. Um, it comes in at a runtime of 105 minutes, which I gotta say fly by. When I rewatched this film and the movie ends, I was like, hold up, there's a whole other hour, right? How... Yeah. Nothing really happened. Why does it fly by so fast? This is This is eerie. I don't know where the time went. But people... Loved it, especially Critics. On Metacritic, it's got the highest score of the three with 92. On Letterboxd, it's a 4 and on IMDb, a 7.8. I'm a a bit surprised that it's not higher on Letterboxd because I could definitely see this be like a huge favorite for them. But it is a special film. It is not something that you'd expect from a war film. It takes a completely different perspective from the side of of Evil that we usually don't get to see. uh, But we see Evil in its formal in its most banal form where it's the simplest just on family life and the struggles of that Uh, but we are not really shown what goes on inside the gates of Auschwitz all of the terror we are asked to fill that in with our imagination and with the historical background that all of us are familiar with and the shots and screams of despair that are the constant in the constant background of this film a low hum that never goes quiet this film has such a unique aesthetic and when we watched it and gun for the first time Lachlan you came out of it and straight up gave it five stars I was pretty close there with you not all the way up there because I, I don't like giving five stars to a movie Right, as, as you do it I. out of it. And yeah, you you don't. But there was something special about this one. We're also really happy that it got a, a bunch of a praise that we didn't uh, expect from it at the Oscars. So it's going to highlight it for more people. It got in for international feature, for best uh, picture, for adapted screenplay, direction, and score. I'm really happy about all of that. The score is not really present for much of the film, but it's like one integral scene where it's just it's like one repeated thing over and over again and it's so perfect for what it's going for. Uh luckily <laughs> I feel like audiences that are gonna listen to our review are not gonna find a lot of us critiquing the film, mainly uh in its praise and uh yeah. I hope you have a similar experience to it. Although I had to uh, find the right time to to watch this one again because uh, it, it is a a a big downer uh, when you're not ready for it, but uh, at the moment it is available uh, on sale only for $19.99 uh, uh, so it's a bit steep if, uh... oh yeah, sorry I said score, I meant, uh, yeah, sound sound is what it's nominated for, thank you, for the correction Lachlan, uh, which is also something that's praised for, I was a bit surprised for score, doesn't really make a ton of sense because there's not really a score in there but that was my own notes that I read wrong.
1: Unless you consider <laughs> like the yeah yeah, sorry that's the
0: sound right back in there Uh, but for those who want to save some money and uh, maybe it's not playing in theaters uh, and they don't want to pay 20 bucks for it because it is a twenty-four. in about six or seven weeks it should be streaming on max uh, for no additional surcharge Uh, so yeah be on the lookout for that but we are going to get into spoilers but it's also a film that we can talk about the plot and what happens but it's basically i mean it's it's a historic fact and then we get a closer look at this at this family but it's not really following a plot structure of this happens that happens it doesn't really build it's just an atmosphere and a feeling you get from this whole film but if you don't want to be spoiled here's your last warning we'll get into all of that but um yeah lachlan why did you come out of this film in gun giving it five stars and now you've revisited it and I doubt it's gone much different for that. Did you come out of the film still saying this is one of the best films uh, of the year? Uh, it's a, it's an easy five star. Or did anything change since you've last seen it?
1: Nothing has changed except my desire to rewatch the film. Uh, right. For me, I really, really wanted to rewatch it. Uh, my top three films of last year were The Zone of Interest, La Caméra, and The Boy in the Heron. On those first two that I said, I haven't had the ability to re-watch it yet because I watched them and they haven't released yet. Lucky Mira is coming out very soon and I'm very, very keen to re-watch that because Lucky Mira, I walked out of the cinema giving it four and a half stars and I feel like on the rewatch I don't know if I'm going to want to give it more, less, or leave it the same. Mm. With the zone of interest, I would like to refer to my original... Letterbox review, I wrote, in Khan, <clears throat> Auschwitz is the location of the world's most unforgivable crimes, where humanity lost itself, an, era, an area marked forever with the horrors of xenophobia and a story that filmmakers continuously attempt to display on screen. Whilst Holocaust cinema isn't being worked into the ground like other genres, there hasn't been a breath of fresh air for a while. The Zone of Interest is that breath. That's the start of that review. The Zone of Interest is such a fantastically craft film from a perspective that I was not expecting to enjoy watching and fall in love with characters watching that you don't want to fall in love with in a sense. You want them to have this family being ripped apart, but they're also the cause of so much pain for so many other families. There's that 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 juxtaposition of they cause pain for other families, but I don't want to see that family separated and I don't want to see them ripped from their home. And mm-hmm. it's weird. It's a bit like um, docu- documentaries, like wildlife documentaries. If you have a lion and, say, a zebra, if you are shown the zebra first and a lion attacks it, you're going to be in the perspective of, oh, that poor zebra. Yeah. But if you're shown the lion first, hunting the zebra, you're going to be in favour of the lion. It's all about a matter of perspective and how it's presented to you and the situation that it's in, right? Hungry lion, hungry lion. They're both hungry, but one is it's a starving lion, oh, no, we need to get it survived. The other one is that it's hungry, it wants food, as a predator. Same thing here. It's a family, but it's a family that causes pain and you don't want to see it have that pain because you are presented that family, you don't want to see it go through that pain. And how can you know, like how do you know that these people are fundamentally evil when there is a great big wall stopping them from seeing what's happening on the other side? Yes, Mm. the evil has entered their household, but how, how, how do you define that that family is evil, right? It's it's such an interesting story, but yeah. I'll stop ranting, you and You can talk about your thoughts really quickly.
0: I don't share that same sympathy for that family. Uh, I I feel like I wasn't rooting for her. I think Hedvig is a really despicable character. She she she's the worst, <laughs> and I really hated her. I didn't really have much sympathy for her uh, wanting to for her to stay at this place because it seemed to be so self-serving in a way that i understand it from a human standpoint if you got something going for you why would you uh not wanna be there but the just the thought of not being disturbed by how close you are to all of that death makes me like i i can't not hate these characters and i feel like there's a connection that you can have because you're taking their perspective that you feel empathetic to some of their struggles I didn't really, uh, to be honest. This was not really what the part that worked so well for me. For me, it was that hatred of towards them for all of the ways that they ex- exploit the death of the people so close to them without even acknowledging or having a hint of, of like, I don't know, despair or, or be, being disturbed by what they're doing. Like, there's a shot where one of the gardeners. Um, puts the ashes of of dead people into the soil for them to uh for them to grow the their garden and it's like <laughs> that's the whole film that is the whole film it's on the back of that like exploitation yeah man i don't i don't know I, to me it's like hard to say this is a mo- uh, like this is the whole film and the character arc, the uh, like the struggle that they go on on staying there it's less about like whatever the fuck they want it's more Staying in that atmosphere of a family living so close to Auschwitz, sharing a wall, and just staying in there for like hundred and five minutes, uh hearing hearing all of that the whole whole uh whole time in the background and the kind of emotion it invokes in you was what made this film to me so 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 great. But it feels weird to call it great, but like so in what it's going for, kinda kinda nailing. Which, yeah, it's, it's, it's talking about this, this evil and how close we can be to um, something so bad happening and us not being aware of it, us profiting off of it. So I feel like the modern lens that this film takes... Being shot on digital lenses on what felt like... I I didn't check this, but it felt like it was shot not on a cinematic uh, frame rate, like uh, uh, 24 uh, or even 30. It felt like they were shooting it in 60 FPS. I don't know if you got that same feeling, but at least the opening shot seems to be like in a higher frame rate. Uh, And it really threw me off uh, seeing seeing it again. Yeah, I don't know. Something about it just felt like it was... Yeah, it, it felt like such a snapshot of, of a modern, non-cinematic non-cinema- way of approaching shoot, shooting that scene. And in the whole, whole film, the cameras are stationed in the house. They're not really moving. And it was also in the direction from Jonathan Glazer that they were basically not acknowledging the performances for singular cameras, giving them close-ups, but it was always just kind of a peek in from... It feels like you're surveying these people in in these moments. You're not really. It also takes that extra step to not give us their perspective as much. Like we don't get like I don't know like a, a close up scene of oh what what's uh, Rudolf Hurst going through as he's uh, get, gets the call of um, does he need to go or not? We we are in the corner of the room, kind of listening in, uh, only hearing what he says it's all just kind of choices that add up uh to to make this one in my opinion as, as close to a masterpiece as we're going to get in the 20 uh 21st century um it's such such a unique film um and yeah it's 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 perfect in every sort of way i i really uh, adore the filmmaking behind it but yeah what what do you think about the cinematography
1: so the film was shot on a sony venice So it it's definitely shot on a cinema camera. camera, So I don't think that thing can do very high frame rates, depending on the What uh uh, it was was it this this movie's not shot sixteen by nine, is it?
0: It is. This one is 16 by nine. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay. Well if it's shot sixteen by nine then, the Sony Venice can do sixteen by nine can do 60 frames a second. Okay, well interesting. Uh cuz that thing has got like a uh like an 8K sensor on it uh at full frame, but right. you can kind of crop in to get to the the smaller uh resolutions or the smaller frame rates or For, like yeah, sizes. From, from, from I what I say. saw,
0: I've, I think it said they have 4K master but they shot on 6K. Uh this is getting really nerdy real fast. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it
1: definitely can, so it can shoot 60 frames a second uh 7.6k yep. at full frame Damn. uh 16 by 9 but at 8.1 oh uh, you said they shot at 6k yeah
0: i think it said on on imdb that they have like uh at least they were shooting in 6k and having the master file down and at 4 which is by yeah, the way no, really they typical
1: can, they, yeah they can definitely shoot at that resolution on that camera with that
0: it's just a feeling second. that i, yeah, got, I got i never got i never got the the look. high
1: frame rate thing I, I yep. had the obviously like the did we not argue about the thermal camera at Venice we, and we at did. Venice Khan we did yeah well it is shot on a thermal camera thank you very much yeah the fleur x eighty five hundred terrible name but thermal camera shot on that uh I think the cinematography is stunning i I love the locked off shot look I love the fact that it's it's not us peering into their world it is fundamentally us viewing it and they're going about their lives there's no theatrics about that there's no funny mm. camera work being done the camera is sat down on a tripod on sticks if you want to say sticks you can say sticks but for everyone who doesn't know what sticks are <laughs> tripod you put the camera on sticks what are you laughing at
0: I don't know, the way that you said that was just really funny <laughs> Because like we've already the gotten the so sticks. nerdy <laughs> that now on the sticks yeah. you're getting like specific for people Fuck. who couldn't catch up. We'll go back up. into
1: our full like full uh, <laughs> tech break. Film down. industry terminology.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Should we just start shouting corners every time we go around a corner <laughs> with a tripod? Like yeah.
0: what? What is it? Point? Um. Points or what is it
1: called? Points. Uh, yeah. Points. Yeah. No points. I've yeah, been on the set a for point. a while. Anyway. Yeah. Uh So. I love that look. I think that it's it's ballsy because camera work can engulf you in a film, but it can also ruin it. Great example, 1917. I don't think the one shot works for every scene in that. It's very interesting Mm. to keep you engaged, but it's not good for emotion. And you don't want people to be emotionally connected to these characters. Yes, my intro sounded like I was saying that I was emotionally connected to a family. I'm not. I'm yeah. cut off from them. I'm looking at it from a distance, but it's this film is a, a brilliant piece of just do you want to know what juxtaposition is? Watch this movie because it is perfect from narrative to characters to visual juxtaposition. This film is like perfect for that. And mm. the best part about the cinematography is that you're not engaged with them. You're just viewing this world. You can't look around, right? You, you may, maybe there's like a little, like a little uh pan here and there, or like a little little dolly move to get the characters moving down, like the garden. But other than that, there's no sort of you know up, down, left, right. Oops, you know we're not doing like some whiplash, like uh, La La no. Land camera whips between characters during conversations. It, it's not like that. And mm-hmm. sometimes it just they just sit on that angle for like a good minute, minute and a half, two minutes, and you're just sitting there taking as much of it in as you can. And that takes a lot of guts to kind of keep things simple. So it's brilliant.
0: Uh, there's something about like the the editing approach and the pacing of this as well. When you have separate cameras, you're never following someone uh with a steady cam or any sort of movement apart from that like there's one Dolly track that they set up. When they uh when she brings the mother along to go into the garden for the first time, where we kind of do a Wes Anderson like dolly whip, and then it also later in that scene when they're when they're uh, out in summer and they're taking um well they, they just have a bunch of kids over, it seems to be maybe a birthday, and you get basically a three sixty like all of the different perspectives of this uh house to really see its isolation. Like they're kind of zoned in as well. There's on the other side there's. A, train tracks that kind of beautifully come in with, like, the, the, the smoke that comes up uh, from a, trail, uh, a train coming in, and you sometimes feel yourself get lost in, hey, this is kind of not a horrible aesthetic, and then you're, like, thrown back into, this is, this is the worst place on Earth. Why would you want to have, why would you raise your family here? And mm. even them not acknowledging and not even showing the mother leaving in the dead of the night uh, because she's disturbed, by being so close to like the constant sound or whatever, not giving her clean, uh, clear reason as well. It seems like there's no moral high ground gri- given to that character because like when they when they're out, they're like openly racist towards Jew towards Jews as they like go into like it's it's not about that that like this person is better because she doesn't want to stay there. It's just it's so unappealing. And then that character still wanting to be there because she built something of her own life there in the juxtaposition of a whole system. That is ripping people's identity apart and discussing the efficiency of how you can burn and then dispose of someone. Like it, it's such those two thing, things so close to each other. It's it's baffling, but it but it, it, it's not fiction. It's reality, and that like that part of it is so scary. <laughs> and um, like when I you you wanted to revisit it, right? You you saw it in Gun, you were. Looking forward to, to going back to this. I, when yeah. I came out of it, I think we discussed this, I thought, like, I, I might not want to see this film ever again.
1: Ever again, yeah.
0: It, it, and that's it, fair. It, no, that's yeah. fair.
1: This film takes a lot out of you.
0: Yeah. I don't know, it just kind of it, it kind of rips you to shreds. I, I didn't have this experience the first time around, but the Polish girl who, who goes to distribute like apples for the workers uh, at night with the thermal camera, we get her twice, and then on the second time, we follow her home, and then it's, I think, the morning after, and she's just playing the piano. Like, something about that, I, I had a couple tears run, my, uh, run down my face. It was just something about it. I, I don't know what it was, but it's just, overall, this whole film is like a big emotion. Uh, yeah, a kind of a kind of a thematic thing that, that you feel and I, I was deeply moved by it. I think I will revisit it. I will urge people to go see it and then see it again because it, it it is one of the best films about war uh, and just about humanity uh that, that we've ever gotten. Um and I can't wait to watch a new Jonathan Glazer film in ten years. Uh <laughs> it's just uh yeah he, he's always got something um fun up his sleeve uh, uh fun maybe it's the wrong word here but something worthwhile something compelling uh it also got those oscar nominations like would you add something uh even to that like another nomination where if you like this movie excels in or yeah you're happy with the five it's got
1: would i would i add Ooh, um no I I definitely think it's going to get Best International. I think that this film has sort of landed the spot for Best International Picture at the uh, Oscars. Being the only
0: one who's in picture as well.
1: I don't think I could put it in cinematography. I think that there are... uh, Like, Maestro and El Conde could definitely come out and we could put Zone of Interest in there. I just don't think... Yeah, either... Like, those two movies have moments in them that are like... Isn't Killer in there as well? They don't really have it. Killers of a Flower Moon is also in there, but I, I think would also Killers take is, Killers. Is, is,
0: really, I think, I think Killers I, is I fucking wasn't, good. Yeah, I think it's good. I don't think it's like the best of the year. I feel like there's there's. Uh, uh, all, I like the framing in May all, December. It's all better. coming out now. Like it's all coming out now. I like I like it in past lives. I like it more. Um, I I like if you could call it, which you are fundamentally opposed to. I think it's better in spite of us. <laughs> like i don't know I, I wasn't floored by the technical parts of of killers of the flower moon
1: yeah right okay no worries then jesus
0: yeah hating on it because
1: she hate I, <laughs> from my hate corner seat martin scorsese. you night. heard it here I, first I everybody hate he hates martin scorsese I, um it's in my top no, i think 10. that it it, 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 it definitely deserves the the adapted screenplay nom. i think that in there it's 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 not going to oh could it
0: I don't think it can I
1: think up against Oppenheimer it's probably probably cooked And I think American Fiction is quite highly rated as well for, Yeah, and that just got the uh, BAFTA
0: Over Oppenheimer for some yeah. reason At the BAFTAs, mm, by the way We had Sandra Hiller also nominated for her performance in this As well as Anatomy of a Fall. Um, Fall I think it's better
1: than Anatomy of a Fall
0: I think it's also better I think she's also stunning in this film uh, She's great in this, then, she's fantastic bit of a flex here i also i got to talk to both of the lead stars of this film by the way uh <laughs> christian F- friedel who plays Rudolfus yes i can do it with that pff- zaz of, of german in there has a review that's coming out this week or should be out on the channel by the time the episode goes live where we talk about the zone of interest uh which you should definitely go check out after after uh the recording uh, after the recording <laughs> After this after listening to the episode I'm so deep in hey we had to do this another half an hour because <laughs> we restarted um but yeah I I can only give this movie praise I would love for it for the only place where I feel like it maybe has a shot is in sound I would love for it to get it there because I feel like that's one of its strongest parts is just the background uh, sound mix bit, no, but- I think so as well but I was already so happy that it got the nomination um and yeah direction is so- great Here's a good one. Here's here's a question. But also editing, I would put it into editing. I was
1: about to say, what about editing? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. I'm sorry. sorry, I'm sorry. 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 I thought you were gonna go into a different route. Um, let's edit around that. No, we're not gonna do that. But editing, um, is dude. There there are some cuts that are like so abrupt and they feel like wrong technically, but for the movie itself, it makes so so much sense. Yeah, (laughs) so wrong but so right. Uh, I
1: think that um. With editing, you've got Oppenheimer and Anatomy of a Fall as your two top contenders. It's probably going to be the year of Oppenheimer, but I think Anatomy does have a really good opportunity there. Uh, Also, greatly, I reckon. I think. I I think. Okay, hear me. uh, Again, it's my opinion, Ewan. I know you might not accept it. Killers of the Flower Moon's editing is good. Uh, yeah,
0: I agree. It's that's one of its strong points.
1: But I would take out the holdovers and put Zone of Interest instead
0: me too agreed a which we also gonna agree on the rating lachlan uh i mean we already said you gave this a five tank a five cent gun didn't change it it's still a five star for you for me it was a four and a except half except i you change I my review oh, you did change your review oh, would you want to update us on your review as well
1: yeah sure i said <clears throat> on the 22nd of Feb- uh, february which is yesterday at time of recording uh my review says I want a Glazer MCU movie.
0: I feel like, explain.
1: (laughs) Maybe we could get like an Avengers movie directed by Uh, him in 10 years.
0: Yeah, in 10 years, but he starts now. (laughs) It just takes 10 years to make. Yeah, yeah. Um, Oh my God. He's still casting Jonathan Matris. (laughs) He's just doing the Kang Dynasty, but 10 years too late. I mean, hey, uh, unlikable people at this point. I guess. Is 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 is, is Not Jonathan
1: Glazer. Jonathan Glazer is a lovely bloke.
0: No, the mature. Major. Not the Glazer. Oh, okay. Uh I'm also giving this a five out of five. I'm moving it up half a star. Uh the reservations I had, giving it five stars right out of the get-go, which by the way I broke in gun. I gave Perfect Days a five star coming out of that theater, And I still um, I stuck with the five stars there. Also for this one, it gets to bump up uh to a five star. I think it's a a modern masterpiece. Uh, my updated review, Lachlan, um, also mentioned something. Wait, let me put it up. I said... Uh,
1: you want a glaze a DCU film? <laughs> yeah, I
0: know. Yeah. And they should battle it out. They should... he, he needs to make three movies, uh. Uh, much like Sam Mendes does with the Beatles. He makes a DC and MCU film, and the third one of is the, these two fighting it out. But I said, uh, if I ever get to vote in BFI's site and sound poll, the zone of interest is on my list. Very good. it is that much of a must-see film for cinephiles and uh yeah we both recommended. it luckily if you were to pair it up with another film what would you choose
1: so when i was thinking about my double feature i had to think about a couple of things the first one is obviously what do i do when i think of a place that's uh surrounded and and juxtaposed right i'm trying to think mm-hmm. of and like uh, films that have analogies in them that are like representative of a story that I enjoy. The brood. And I wanted it to have. Yep. Sure. Uh, I can't. Okay, you threw me off, so I'm just going to say it. <laughs> District 9. <laughs> I did not.
0: I did not gas her. I did not.
1: <laughs> I mean, God, I hate you so much. why did you throw me off? It? Yeah, my <laughs> double feature is District 9. I don't even, even going to roll with it.
0: That's a great pick. That's a great pick. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, Do you reckon,
1: do you reckon that when I rewatch Perfect Days, because I gave it four and a half stars, I will also move it to five?
0: No, I think it's more my film than it is yours. Uh... Oh, okay, of course, because there's no, there's no,
1: (laughs) no, 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 no. (laughs) there's no Infinity Stones or something in it, right? Jesus.
0: No, 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 it's just, it's just kind of my thing that I completely fall in love with. And I was surprised after seeing Perfect Days that you loved it as well. And it it rekindled our friendship uh, by tenfold. I was like, oh, this guy. This guy has great taste like me, which is all I aspire in my friends. Just to be clones of me. Wait till you no, see my Madam I... re-
1: Web review. Five stars.
0: <laughs> Five stars. I mean, he got four on 4K, which uh, I think he's he's like chipping away at at my... Uh... <laughs> respect for him <laughs> yeah uh no um i i would love to see it go up for you i could also see it go down and kind of stay the same um i think it's a beautiful film it's it's hard to guess i kind of have given up on uh feel f- like i don't know i've given up on thinking i could call if you like something or not which is which always makes me it makes it really fun it makes these uh conversations interesting. Because uh, we usually don't really land completely on the same page. Um, not that we, like, discuss or, I don't know, there's, there's no fighting about something. Uh, here we are more universally just, like, agreeing this is a masterpiece. I, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. District 9, also a phenomenal film. Uh, we can both agree on that. And we can also agree that we both have not seen my double feature pick, which is one that also observes a character more from the, the outside looking in over a long time. And it's, uh, after I wrote my review about BFI, uh, mentioning BFI, site and sound poll, I was like, wait a minute, the one that's on the number one spot, jean Dinman 23, A Guide du Commerce, uh, 1080, Bruxelles, uh, that movie is at number one on there. And I've never seen it, but I feel like, in a way, it just kind of meshes and, and matches with uh, the zone of interest, so that's my double feature pick. And yeah, maybe, maybe I'll even oh, make yeah. the time to go see it at some point. But it's, it's really long. That's my pick. Then there's a couple of new releases this week. Out on uh, March 1st, or at least in that week. No, on, on March 1st, we are getting uh, Spaceman over on Netflix. We're looking forward to this one. It premiered in, at the Berlinale. Uh, I didn't even look at the review so far. I don't know if they're positive or not and i don't know if i want to look at them we'll be talking about that i guess at some point but it has chosen to go up against dune 2 and it's not like we're not going to talk about dune 2 next week i don't know if we can make space for spaceman uh there's also napoleon that has moved from its previ- uh, from its premium vod to uh, apple tv plus so you can now uh stream it on that streaming service without an extra uh surcharge then out in cinemas of course it is time for dune and yeah i just really hope this does uh so so well at the box office and uh i mean it's not like we're gonna hate it i feel like we're gonna love it or we are gonna adore it but i don't know if it's gonna be lower than that so expectations are high i hope we can meet them and hopefully We'll get uh, maybe even a third one from uh, Denis Villeneuve. And then out in Swiss theaters, perfect timing. The Zone of Interest is out. But like we said, you can also uh, already purchase it uh, on digital already. And then, Lachlan, for you, if you want to (laughs) revisit the little red panda uh, from Pixar that we got a couple of years ago or last year. No, I guess it was 2022. Turning Red is getting a theatrical release. So, hey, if you want to revisit that on the big screen, you can, if you're down under. Uh, but that brings us to the end of the show. This week, next week, uh, it's Dune Time. And we're also gonna discuss all of uh, Denis Villeneuve's film in bracket form. So maybe give those a respin or a spin for the first time. If you want to argue in the comments below. Uh, why we're so wrong and Arrival is actually the best one of all of them please come in prepared with your notes class and yeah we'll talk to you next week I can't wait for Dune I'm so excited alright thanks so much for watching and we'll see you soon bye we made it
1: and it didn't corrupt I mean I should probably not say that before I stop recording but I'm gonna stop stop recording recording right now